Welcome one and all to another day here at The Damage Board with me, John Arilla, and joining us once again, Trey Crowder, welcome back to the show. What's up, man? Happy New Year. Glad to be here. 2024 promises to be a dull and uneventful affair. By Nothing by really going on. No. Yeah, I don't um, know what you're going to have to talk about here at The Damage Report. Know. Yeah. I look, I'm into politics and um, high profile court cases, and I just feel like I've just been waiting for years for something to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But been anyway, stretch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the last time you were on, I think you were touring. If I if I remember correctly, are you still on tour? Yeah, well, I was about to say, it wouldn't even matter the last time I was on. That would have always been true because I've kind of been <laughs> touring for like the past seven mm-hmm. years or so, going on eight years. So yeah, I'm kind of always on tour. I'll take a couple weeks off here and there. But mm-hmm. if you want to see where I'm going, go to TreyCrowder.com, T-R-A-E Crowder.com. Check out my upcoming dates because yeah, I'm doing it again in, yeah. in uh, 2024. Charlottesville, Virginia, awesome. I think is the next show I have on the tour. I love it. They're out there grinding. I think that's why everyone says that you are the Taylor Swift of comedians. I think. Oh yes, um, they're yes. always saying that. Yes. Um, so I also, anyway, I also sell out. out a stadium ten shows in a row and that type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fingers crossed in 2024. Okay? Yeah. It's a big politics year. People are going to be looking for it. In any event, it's great to have you back. We're we're going to be talking about a bunch of different stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we thought we'd have to wait until the 22nd for the Epstein uh, documents. We have those. We're going to be breaking those down, giving updates on the election, both on the uh, Republican side, uh, the pick me primary, and Joe Biden has apparently decided to campaign. So that's exciting. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit. And then there's a whole lot more besides. George Santos appears to have decided what uh, the next phase of his life is going to be. Uh, Charlie Kirk just, I guess, asked ChatGPT to generate the most racist stuff you could. And then he just read it out loud on his show. And we've got a lot more besides. So everybody hit the like button, share the stream as we launch into this thing. And you can send us comments, sweet super chats and all that. And uh, you might get yourself a Blue Apron gift card for $100. So get those in. We would love to pass one of those out. Uh, with that said, Trey, you ready to jump into some news? Let's do it. Dive in. Okay, let's do it. The Epstein documents are now out. Hundreds of pages listing uh, hundreds of associates, people who were connected in a variety of different ways to Jeffrey Epstein. And we have been waiting for this now for a couple of weeks. And we had been told as of yesterday that it was not going to come out until the 22nd. Dramatic revelations that we thought we'd have to wait a long time for, and it's here. And I've looked it over, and I could definitively say, kind of weak sauce. Like, nah. I don't know what it feels. It feels like it was sold to us as there's going to be a long list of names, and those are the people that went to Pedophile Island. That's what I thought we were going to get some version of, and um, no. Now there is some interesting stuff on there, both. Uh, people being accused of crimes, but also, I guess, maybe even more important, those who are not alleged to have participated in any crimes, which I'm sure is going to be good news for them, I guess. Um, you have President Clinton, who we suspected would be in the documents. He has mentioned, uh, they say over 50 times, I think it was 71 when I searched it, which is, you don't want to appear 71 times in the Ghislaine Maxwell documents. You really don't. But anyway, uh, the filings in, about President Clinton do not. Uh, provide any evidence of illegality. But one of Epstein's accusers say that Epstein had remarked that Clinton, quote, likes them young. That's not great. I don't think you want Jeffrey Epstein describing your tastes as being special and that you like them young. So we're going to pause right there. 
Uh, Trey, what, what do you think about this? Um, no crime alleged, but right. kind of icky. Not a good look for sure, but also, I mean, it's not off brand, you know, for a slick Willie or anything. I mean, I wasn't all that. Also, like you referenced up top, like I thought it was going to be some more, more bombshelly, these revelations, because I feel like a lot of stuff that I've heard from this uh, new development or things that I thought we kind of knew already, like about Clinton having, you know, taken so many rides on there. It's like, I agree with you. It's not the type of thing you want said about you, but people have kind of been saying similar things about Clinton for 30 years. I mean, even like he likes them young. I mean, wasn't Monica Lewinsky like 21 or something, you know? Yeah, she was very young. Yeah, right. So, I mean, you know, it doesn't, none of it feels new, but it's not great. And I'm not going to like go to bat just because I'm like a Democrat doesn't mean I'm going to go to bat for uh, Bill Clinton and his proclivities. You know what I mean? Everybody seems like the two sides are trying to make it like they'd make everything a like, our guy versus your guy thing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like, oh, Trump, no, they, they say, it's like Trump is on the list, but he's been cleared and Clinton's the worst one on there and all this stuff. And the people are firing back in the opposite direction. It's like, I think that, uh, you know, any of them who got too, uh, in too deep with that guy, I'm not a huge fan of uh, regardless. Yeah. Doesn't seem like it should be that much of a hot take to me. But also Clinton's not been, you know, actually in the government for however long now, you know, also 30 yeah. years. So that's a factor too. Donald Trump is running for president again. So makes unfortunately that is the case. Yeah. yeah. Um, and look, honestly, I, I think you're right. Like we, we talked earlier this week, we were previewing it. Like, you know, Marjorie Green was like out of this is ahead, ahead of the documents being like, Clinton's going to be in it. He's a pedophile. He shouldn't be in office, which as you point out, he ain't running. His wife isn't even running anymore. Whereas she completely ignored that, you know, Trump had obviously had weird things to say about both Epstein and Maxwell. But that said, we're going to be fair in the same way that Clinton is mentioned, but there's no evidence of illegality. Same for Donald Trump in the documents. Mm-hmm. He is mentioned in the documents, but no reference is made to any illicit behavior on his part. There are references to Epstein saying, quote, we'll call up Trump during a stop in Atlantic City. But that doesn't mean that they did anything. It certainly doesn't mean that he went to the island or anything. So if I was Trump or a Trump fan coming out of this, I would probably consider this a win, especially considering, you know, like Clinton, they, Epstein said that Clinton likes them young. The weird thing is, of course, that Trump said that Epstein likes them young. So he was at least aware of it. But that that isn't about Trump. So again, probably a win for Trump. So uh, if anybody was hoping that like one of the Democratic parties would be like absolutely blown up by the revelations in this, doesn't really seem to be the case. Um, and be- before you you jump in, I do want to mention also mention there were a few celebrities like David Copperfield was mentioned and Michael Jackson was mentioned. Michael Jackson apparently was at Jeffrey Epstein's house in Palm Beach. But again, no allegations of illegal acts for Michael Jackson. Um, I know everybody's been waiting to find out Jimmy Kimmel. Mm-hmm. Weird, weird that Jimmy Kimmel is not actually mentioned at all. It's almost like there was nothing going into Aaron Rodgers uh, smearing Jimmy Kimmel about that. And again, I don't even watch Jimmy Kimmel. It's just so weird to throw a late night comedian under the bus with no evidence whatsoever. So um, we're going to get to the one person who does have, uh, at the very least, questionable, if not illegal acts. Seems illegal, um, but yeah, a lot of other names mentioned and other politicians. Bill Richardson, former governor, but it it really wasn't the bombshell that I thought it would be. Is there anything that you saw that maybe I'm missing? Uh, no, I mean I agree with you, but I kind of half expected it to ultimately be a disappointment because I feel like anything like this always it, the hype gets built up for these big, you know. 
uh, coming releases or exposés, and they're almost always disappointing. Like you know, like the Mueller report, or even like you know, even stuff that has interesting things in it, like the Panama Papers or wherever. Over, it's just like they seem to never amount to anything really. And I kind of figured this would be another instance of that, and it seems like it's going to be. It, but yeah, I was wondering if Jimmy Kimmel and Aaron Rodgers are going to get brought up. I can't believe Aaron Rodgers just made some stuff up, you know, to uh, <laughs> demonize the guy that came out, that made jokes about him. Like, he's so, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, great. I'm a huge football fan, great quarterback, or whatever. But like, you know, bit of a thin-skinned head case. And I think you said it's so weird to bring up a late-night host. At Jimmy Kimmel just like, made some cracks about him somewhere along the way. And that's all it took for Aaron Rodgers to just throw something like that out there. But I'm hoping, you know, personally, yeah. I'm hoping that that escalates that. <laughs> I hope Jimmy <laughs> takes it to the cleaners. I want to see that just uh, devolve into even more drama just for my own selfish reasons. But uh, there's definitely but yeah, and then a likelihood Trump, of that. The Trump thing, you were like, oh, it's a win for Trump. I feel like it almost doesn't matter what was in here in regards to Trump because, I mean, he's had these types of things come up before, you know, from the grabber by the, you know, tapes. And then there's been other allegations and rumors and stuff of these types of uh, nefarious goings on with Trump for a long time. And, you know, he's Teflon Don. None of it ever seems to stick. I doubt he was even all that worried about this, frankly, just because the way yeah. things seem to go for him. And look, honestly, at this point, First of all, I, I I honestly, there's a lot of bad stuff about Trump, disgusting areas of his personality, his, his past and everything. But one of the areas that I have never liked to discuss is the weird comments that he's made both about his daughter and other yep. women that girls that tend to be really young. I don't like talking about it partially because it's gross. Um, and then partially because in politics, it has become so just casual and cliche to label everyone you disagree with as a pedophile. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is literally proving that. He thinks that because Jimmy Kimmel mocked him, yeah, he's probably a pedophile. Like if Conan O'Brien made a crack about me, he's probably a cannibal. That's not how reality works. That's just not how it works. Um, but that said, there was not anything that was going to be in these documents that was going to convince you that Trump maybe is a little bit weird when it comes to that stuff. If you don't think it's weird that he talks about like when Ivanka was a baby, he was like talking about like, well, we don't know if she's gonna have the breasts of her mom, but I guess we'll see. Or like seeing like a group of little girls and then saying maybe in 10 years I'll be dating you or the allegations of him busting into the changing rooms of beauty shows where girls as young as 14 were. Again, none of that means that he has committed acts of pedophilia. Like I know that a lot of people wanna just instantly skip to that, that doesn't mean that. But it is weird, and it's super weird that the political, you know, movement that's so obsessed with pedophilia and QAnon mm -hmm. and all that stuff doesn't have any problem right. with any of that. Right? Yeah, I was about to bring that last part up. If you didn't, it is. Yeah, it's not great from any perspective, but it makes it particularly weird that he has all these these old incidents and rumors and stuff that have come up, and yet he is. Supposed, according to QAnon, you know, the subsect of the far right and everything, he's supposed to be like the savior of the of traffic children and everything. Like he's like the super cop fighting against this stuff, they think. Like mm -hmm. he's the he's the caped crusader against the global cabal of vampiric pedophiles or whatever. And, you know, that part is pretty wild. But they seem they do that with him all the time. You know, they also like the uh the Christian right calls him, you know, one of the holiest of presidents we've had in recent years and he's you know the the candidate of Jesus and all that despite you know all the uh 
divorces and improprieties and very un-Jesus like activity. So I none of that's really new, but it is it is wild. Yeah. Hundred percent. So anyway, uh they, they come out, I guess, looking Okay, I mean, I, I would assume that Bill Clinton is probably going to have an uncomfortable conversation with Hillary Clinton, but it won't be the first. So I don't know, maybe maybe they'll cruise past this. I do want to just mention um, because earlier this week we ha- we showed some video of uh, Alan Dershowitz seemingly getting out in front of what's going to be revealed by saying like you can't do guilt by association simply because someone's name is in this doesn't mean that they've committed any criminal acts, which is correct. I mean, hundred percent right. Um, however, here's a quote. From the documents, attachment nine specifically, one such powerful individual that Epstein forced then minor Jane Doe number three to have sexual relations with was former Harvard Law Professor Alan Dershowitz, a close friend of Epstein's and well-known criminal defense attorney. Epstein required Jane Doe number three to have sexual relations with Dershowitz on numerous occasions while she was a minor, not only in Florida, but also on private planes in New York, New Mexico, and the US Virgin Islands. Another quote, Dershowitz came quote, pretty often to Epstein's Florida mansion and got massages while he was there. Not one massage, got, which he's previously, it's been revealed, has gotten massages. Dershowitz was quote, present alone at the house of Epstein without his family in the presence of young girls. And again, all of this is sworn testimony. That's not proof, it, does, it certainly doesn't look good. For Dershowitz, it goes a couple steps further than what we've previously heard. Again, that does not mean that is a hundred percent take it to the bank, lock him up, but it doesn't look great. So um, he's the one, at least as of what I have found in the documents, he's the one that comes out of it looking kind of the worst, other than obviously Epstein. Yeah, one of the he's also had a pretty weird take on it that I've seen. I've seen a couple of clips getting shared on Twitter and stuff from his appearances where he engages in one of the you know, wildest cases of what about ism that I've seen yet because he's bringing up all the Epstein stuff and talking about it cryptically and whatnot, but also saying it's like he, you know, he doesn't want to hear anything from people who aren't uh, also condemning all the rapes that Hamas has committed and that he like pivots this to Hamas and Israel and whatnot. And he's like, if you're not mad at what Hamas is doing with all that, then, you know, then I don't want to hear it. And it's like, is it so hard to believe that like people can think, all of that is bad, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm, that because I'm coming after you for impropriety means that I'm pro Hamas because I'm not. I think they shouldn't be raping too. You know what I mean? That's all. I know it's a. I'm going out on a limb there by saying that, but I'm pretty fervently anti-rape and sexual assault, regardless of the source. So uh, just because I think you're a piece of work for what's in here doesn't mean that you know I'm condoning what's happening in Israel, Gaza, or whatever. You know, it's just a weird thing to bring up. It makes it feel like he's grasping at straws to me. Um, Trey, it's just it's getting complicated and muddled. Choose one bad group, okay? Yeah. I don't, I don't want to hold multiple in my head. Um, and then also, again, this is not this is not proof. This is not a court of law or whatever. And I hope it's clear that I was being sarcastic. I totally agree with you about that. Um. Like the hor- absolutely horrendous, almost unimaginable acts that Hamas was described as doing on October 7th. Um, like ra- rape is obviously very front and center in that. And what you are described as having done, again, not proof, but described as having done is rape of a minor. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that if we're going to condemn Hamas, I think we should be consistent. And right. say that generally raping children is really bad. You don't again. Right. You don't choose one and then give a pass to the others just because you raped less, or you didn't also torture or murder anyone. Again, not proof. We're not making any claim like that. 
despite the fact that we have literally, I don't think ever in history gotten any credit for nuance or caveats or anything. We always provide them because we hold ourselves to higher ethical standards than the vast majority of mainstream media journalists. But anyway, it doesn't look good for, for Dershowitz is all I'll say. Any final comments about anything from the Epstein docs? No, not really. I think we've about covered. I mean, it's like I said, I, I was have been somewhat disappointed in it, but also was kind of expecting it uh, to go that way. So um, I'm not overly surprised. I guess the only thing, other thing I'll say on Epstein is like my hot take on the Epstein. You know, it's a, been a like a, a meme on the internet ever since it happened. Epstein didn't kill himself. Put it at the end of things that have nothing to do with that. Everybody talking about how he didn't kill himself. But I always thought that it was kind of irrelevant, sort of whether he did or not, because it shouldn't have been allowed to happen either way. You know what I mean? Like the fact, like it, that dude needed to be under suicide watch, right? And mm-hmm. should have, and ostensibly was. So even if he, it, it doesn't matter, like what happened there, it shouldn't have happened in the first place. So that's that's the only other hot take I have related to Epstein while yeah. we're talking about him. I well, I agree there. Um, that's again, like I, it, th- these docs, I think largely were not that interesting. Um, there have been all these claims made about like address books in his like safe and tapes that had been made. I guess we'll just never. I mean, maybe none of that none of that stuff ever existed, but if it did, it doesn't seem like we're ever going to get access to any of that stuff. It's all this secondhand court stuff. But I guess that's the way it goes. Great. The Biden campaign says that it's shifting to a new, far more aggressive stance in the 2024 campaign, beginning with this ad. I've made the preservation of American democracy the central issue of my presidency. I believe in free and fair elections and the right to vote fairly and have your vote counted. There's something dangerous happening in America. There's an extremist movement that does not share the basic beliefs in our democracy. All of us are being asked right now, what will we do to maintain our democracy? History's watching, the world is watching. Most important, our children and grandchildren will hold us responsible. The Vice President and I have supported voting rights since day one of this administration. And I ask every American to join me in this cause. America is still a place of possibilities where the power resides with we the people. That's our soul. We are the United States of America. There is nothing beyond our capacity when we act together. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. Okay, we're going to discuss that ad in just a sec. I want to let you know that in addition to rolling out the new ad that's you know sort of trying to frame what the general election is going to be about, they're also doing two presidential campaigns in the next week, including uh, let, let's see, they're doing um, one in Valley Forge on the third anniversary of January 6th. So a lot of symbolism there, obviously. Um, then on next Monday, Biden's gonna be visiting the Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina. That is, of course, where a white supremacist committed a mass shooting back in 2015. And it's expected that he's gonna be talking about extremism and political violence. So uh, seeming to focus on uh, the future of democracy, the rise of fascism, the opposition to having a free vote. Uh, extremism, political violence, and uh, Vice President Harris is going to be doing events uh, in different states focusing on abortion access. So they had been kind of really quiet and inactive when it came to the campaign. We're in a new year. They say that they're really gearing up. So with these events and that ad, Trey, what do you think about this uh, proposed new stance of the Biden administration? 
I mean, if the new stance is that, oh, we should probably do something, you know, in terms of campaigning, then I'm in favor of it. Because, yeah, I agree with you. It seems like they haven't. But I but I don't know. I mean, we're going to see how it plays out. But it just feels like he and they, his administration can't get any credit for anything, even the things they genuinely have done. You know what I mean? For most of America, at least according to polls that we see and stuff like that. It's like people still think that like Trump was better for the economy and all that type of thing. Mm-hmm. It, like it just doesn't. It just doesn't seem to get through, and I don't know how you beat that other than, you know, pounding the drum, reminding people of the things we've accomplished. And I do like framing it as, like, what the alternative is. You know what I mean? Like, hey, this is the reality you could face if you're not with us, because to me, that feels like it should be a compelling argument. I know he also doesn't like to talk about Trump that much and everything, but I think he's going to have to. And I think they should, in addition to this type of thing, they should also just sort of try to illustrate to people, try to remind people, like, how insane every day was in this country mm-hmm. or at least it felt like when trump was the president you know what i mean and try to like compare that to the past four years at least under a biden administration because that's what i feel like a lot of people base it on is, is like it's nice not it's kind of nice not having to like worry about where our president is and what he's doing every night you know what i mean yeah. like when trump was president it was like having an unruly teenager in your house or something like that you know what i mean you got to be worried about him every day what sort of horrible thing they're getting up to and it's kind of nice having a president who isn't like that i think they should um you know make that an element of it too just really try to remind people hey this is what the choice is all right and you know. it's it's stark and it's dire but also, I just I don't know it. Every election, it's always about like the people in the middle, the fence sitters, and the moderates and stuff. And it's just it's so crazy to me that in twenty twenty four that there's this huge number of those people still out there, especially with these two candidates. You know what I mean? It's like, you what know? do you need to see to make a decision between these two? I just fundamentally don't understand these people at this point. So you know, God bless I'm them. Right Good there with to you, trying to figure it out. But I don't know. <laughs> I, I try, I try to bear in mind, this is my job. I have to pay attention. Lots of people go you know, weeks without really paying attention. Um, so I try to bear that in mind. At the same time, I just get mad because I'm like, you know who he is. You know exactly who Donald Trump is. What are you waiting to be told at this point? And I agree with you about that ad. I can already see, I kind of feel like they might have had an ad like this back in 2020. But what you should have is just do like a parody of like those scenes from Groundhog Day where he's like waking up and like hitting the alarm clock and just have it be like uh, today Trump announced that he's going to be building an electrified fence at the border mm-hmm. slam. Today Trump mm-hmm. uh, drew a new path for a hurricane on a map slam. Today yeah. Trump like Trump, Trump banned entire religions from entering the country like and then just say remember what it was like. We right. don't want to go back there. Do something like that. I think that's actually a good call. And and then pair that with a positive agenda for mm-hmm. the next four years. And that that is what I have not yet seen. And that does not appear to be a part of this new strategy of like, here's the 10 policies we're gonna be focusing on. I don't see anything like that. And I agree with you. Look, I would say there's a lot that Biden had said he was gonna do and then didn't get done. Um, there are things that he has done. And yeah, he doesn't appear to be getting much credit for it. But the only way you're gonna get that credit is if you demand it. By getting out there and shoving your successes and your accomplishments in people's face. Basically, Biden needs to act like every single person at a party in LA. Just don't stop talking about yourself. Just get up in people's <laughs> face and just start talking about everything that you've been doing. Yeah. So anyway, that'd be my advice. 
Any other thoughts? Yeah, that's a really good analogy uh, with the party in LA thing because I know from having attended said parties, a lot of times those people at those parties they mostly just talk about stuff that will never actually, uh, you know, see the light of day anyway. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> things true. they want to do, things they're planning on doing, things they're working on, and then uh, you know, no one ever sees any of those. I've been guilty of that myself. So yeah, good analogy there. Also, <laughs> they should hire you, I think, because I just like threw out a general kind of idea for what they should try to accomplish. And then you immediately put that inside an actual concept for an ad that I think was uh, really good. So I was impressed by that. You might have a I appreciate might have opportunity for another career here as like a campaign manager, marketing director or something, because uh, that was that was pretty good. <laughs> Uh, I th or alternatively, we start a consulting firm. You're the ideas guy. Oh, I go. do the details and we yeah. save democracy and Western civilization. What do you think? You I think me? it's a great a lot of money in political consulting. That's right. And That's I, I never really had any idea what that meant or what they did until now. And now I feel like I've got an yeah. idea next to you. So. Yeah. Yeah, we can now I understand it. And I also think that there is a lot of money in it. And it's always felt weird to me that none of it was mine. Right. <laughs> Tell me about I think it. We should yeah. work on that. Anyway. Well, I think as somebody on the left all the time, I'm I'm just looking around going like, where is George Soros at? I thought he was <laughs> out here writing checks to all these. I'm out here doing propaganda for free. I get some of that sweet <laughs> Soros money. What's going on? Why are you calling me 100%. up? <laughs> oh God. Okay. Um, we gotta take our first break. When we come back, we're gonna jump over to the other side of the aisle. What Trump and the Republicans are getting up to. We'll have that for you more after this. Okay, but if you're just joining us now, please hit that like button as we launch into more news starting with this. I'm not I'm not a candidate. Uh the first video. Donald Trump hasn't been charged with insurrection. And this is a question for the voters. The reason why it doesn't apply to the president was because the drafters of the 14th Amendment realized that the president is elected by the entire nation. And it should be the entire nation who determines who they want for president, whether they're guilty of insurrection or not. That is a Trump lawyer, Christina Bob, sort of defending Trump. I mean, she's listing some of the arguments there for why some say that section three of the 14th Amendment does not allow for Donald Trump or any president to be taken off the ballot, while also opening up the possibility that he might have committed an insurrection. Um, I would avoid that if I was the lawyer. Um, but anyway, Trump is uh, trying to defend himself from the removal from the ballot that he's experienced in both Colorado and Maine. They have formally, his legal team, formally asked the SCOTUS as of today to overturn Colorado's ruling that barred him from being on the state's primary ballot. Um, Trump in this ruling uh, or in his filing argued that he did not take part in an insurrection, that his eligibility should be determined by Congress, not the courts, and that the insurrectionist ban did not apply to the presidency in any case. Generally in life, when you provide a whole bunch more of excuses for why you shouldn't be responsible for something, it makes you look bad. I understand in this case, they wanna cover all their bases. And this follows up that yesterday, they filed an appeal against the ruling of the Democratic Secretary of State of Maine, trying to overturn that ruling as well. All of this is expected. The Supreme Court is going to have to weigh in. The Trump campaign is going to have to get involved as well. Thus far, we still haven't heard anything from the SCOTUS. Betray, like they're going to have to say something because you cannot have a yeah. case where in some states has been taken off. In others, the attempt to take him off has been blocked by a district, a district courts um, or the appeals court level. So what, what do you think about this? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of funny knowing that the SCOTUS has to deal with this because I mean, I feel like, you know, they're very much in favor of uh, one of their things is like the state should be able to, you know, run their own elections and whatnot. Like the state should be empowered, states' rights, and they should run the elections, all that stuff. But then, 
in this instance, you know, they're thinking like, well, not like that. We didn't mean like that. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. But that wouldn't be the first time that they said one thing and did another. That's why I haven't been. I don't know what to think about about what SCOTUS is going to do for that reason. But I don't either way. I don't expect this particular strategy to ultimately bear fruit. I know I'm a bit of a negative Nancy all the time, but like with, I just think that there's. You know, I can't see it amounting to much, even if they let it stand, because it's not going to be. It's going to be in like mostly blue states. I know that Maine splits their electoral votes and that type of thing, but I also worry about what it will inspire the opposition to attempt to do. I know that Biden hasn't done anything insurrectiony. I know that, but I don't think that would stop them from attempting to frame it that way and get him taken off the ballot in Texas or wherever, like God knows. And it just devolves into this whole thing that makes the election even more of a mess than it's already going to be. And also that what, when, let's say Biden wins and all this has has been, has been managed to stand these cases and stuff, it's just like, it's also more ammunition for the narratives that you know are going to come out after the fact about like, you know, the underhanded dealings of the left and how the election was stolen from him and it was never mm-hmm. fair to begin with and all the arguments they're probably going to make anyway. So um, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about all this. The last thing else, just to be very clear, though, of course, I believe that based on the things that we all saw him do while, you know, in office and otherwise related to January 6th and whatnot, of course, I believe he should not, he's not fit to be president and in a perfect world would not be allowed to run for it. Like I would love it if, you know, it was more explicitly laid out that he couldn't. But Get the circumstances being what they are, I have mixed feelings about this whole mm-hmm. situation. You know, you know, I I think it's fascinating that we, uh, you know, like being progressives or on the left or whatever, we're obviously from the point of view of the right, we're out of our mind with Trump derangement syndrome. Mm-hmm. But I have not heard, and and TYT especially. I mean, oh my God, everybody at TYT has Trump derangement syndrome. Is there anyone on our network who has said, yeah, he should obviously be banned? I don't think like I'm asking the audience because I know Trey, you weren't on all the shows, but no, I, like every single one of us says, best case scenario, you could argue it. Like mm-hmm. the, you, know, there's a case to be made, and then and then even when we talk about like the like the the like the practice like the consequences, the sort of practical implementation of it, there's always like the consideration that it would be it would certainly be preferable if it comes down to the voters. I mean, personally, I'm shocked that that that's an open question as to how the voters would come out. But again, like just constantly being portrayed as being blindly partisan or tribal seems utterly unfair in this case. But anyway, we are still waiting to find out when the Supreme Court is going to weigh in. I would love it if they would expedite it. I understand that there's a number of different aspects of this and they are complex. And this is an area where the Supreme Court has never weighed in. And so theoretically, you'd wanna have some time to consider it. But I would also say, this has sort of been on people's news radar for a couple of weeks because of Colorado. That's not when the trials started. There have been efforts in like 33 states to take him off the ballot. That's been going on for months and months and months. The Supreme Court 100% should have already been on this. They could have gotten out of the, out in front of this before Colorado. So like totally slow rolling it, I think is completely unacceptable because this is not something that just came out of nowhere a couple of weeks ago. And the well, states that- need to know the elections are coming up soon. Well, don't you think part of why they've tried to avoid it is because maybe they don't want to set some kind of precedent where, uh, you know, states and their elections are concerned, meaning like, you know, wait, 
like having the federal government having the ability to weigh in on a state and its election and be like, no, you can't do that. That's not fair because they may not want that precedent set because of you know what they hope some of the states do in the forthcoming election or whatnot. They want the states to be empowered when it comes to their electors and that type of thing. So maybe, and I know sure. in like 2000 and Bush Gore, they they like made a they you know made a judgment but said explicitly this can't be used as precedent or something or like this is a one time thing this only ever applies this one time and never ever again yeah. so i guess there's a precedent they can not make stuff precedent or something i don't know i'm law dumb but anyway <laughs> you know I, I, it is interesting uh you know waiting to see sure. what they're going to do yeah look i would say if you know then 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 just say that it doesn't apply to the president or whatever or or do right. the precedent thing or it's also very convenient that in that case they handed the election to the republican and then said this can't be used as a precedent theoretically in a case where it would benefit a democrat i love that by the way right um and also it's their job it's a difficult one i wouldn't necessarily want that responsibility but i also didn't ask for it they did and so they are supposed to be the final ultimate arbiters of the Constitution, so do it. Earn that lifetime paycheck that you've got there. <sighs> I'm not. I'm not a candidate. You want me to work that for you? <laughs> <laughs> this is my kids would say. That's my jam. The South is actually very comfortable with our history. What I should have said immediately was that the Civil War was about slavery. But I just assumed that that was a given. And I went on and said it was also about the role of government and about the rights of people, economically, socially, and otherwise. But Harris, really, the media is the only one that has talked about this issue. No, that's I, not actually one not person true. On that's Nikki Haley uh, continuing to flail following last week, her uh, multiple times failing to just easily and clearly identify that slavery was the driver of the Civil War. And now she wants to move on. That's literally what she's saying to the media is we're moving on. First of all, when you have a scandal, it's not up to you when you get to move on. I know that you'd like to move on, you'd love to move on, it'd be very convenient to move on, but it's not up to you. And so she doesn't want the campaign to come down to this. And I understand that one answer to one question, you might be frustrated if that's what people focus on. But the issue is that that's also not an accurate representation of what happened. She has been getting this wrong for years, literally like seven years ago, she was asked. And she again refused to identify that slavery was the driver of that. And at the end of the day, that's not fundamentally the problem. It's what it reveals. It's what it reveals about what she thinks about the Republican electorate, about what she's willing to do or not to challenge some of the darkest impulses of that Republican primary. I think it is totally appropriate that people continue to ask her questions about this because she's just flailed and evaded ever since. Even that answer right there does not take responsibility for the fact that she danced around identifying slavery. When she initially said the thing about blah, blah, vague freedom, blah, liberties, the guy said, well, what about slavery? And she said, well, what do you want me to say about slavery? That was not a woman who had just been reminded, Oh, sorry, I thought that was obvious. Obviously, it's about slavery. She was defensive and evasive in response to it. So don't allow her to rewrite history with Harris Faulkner there. We have more video from her, but Trey, what do you make of this? 
Yeah, I don't believe for a second that it was like a one-time mistake. I mean, this has been like chapter one Old South playbook for a long time as a Southerner. I mean, I can tell you, it's like it's been, you know, I mean, it was like, I remember I, I was in a college history class, but like a freshman level co- U.S. history class in college. And like the professor, this was in Cookville, Tennessee, by the way, uh, at like a Cal college. And the professor, like, we're about to start talking about the Civil War. And he, and he like made this big elaborate, like, disclaimer or apology who's like i know that this is going to be difficult for many of you to hear i understand this is going to be hard i don't want to like he goes this elaborate thing and then he's like but the civil war was about slavery right he had to like frame it that way because he knew it would be such a controversial statement in that setting or whatever because you know we were all like a lot of Everybody from the South of a certain age before had, had been heard different versions of, you know, states' rights, mm-hmm. of course, and that type of thing. And so, like, it's been going on for a long time. I'm kind of only surprised that it's, like, actually a scandal for her now. Like, even, like, from Fox News and whatnot, I didn't know that they had even come around to that being a bad thing to do. So, I guess I'm a little bit encouraged by that. But, yeah, you know, they still, like, they still have their... They still also cling to like, oh, you know, actually slavery and the Civil War, all that, that was actually all Democrats, right? Which just, of course, is like technically true because that was before mm-hmm. the parties flipped ideologically, but they always ignore that part. Like, you know, Lincoln was Republican. The Democrats did all that and then just ignore the fact that now it's the Republicans who argue to keep the Confederate monuments up and the Democrats are trying to take them down and all of that. You know, they just like... Uh, pick and choose which parts of it they throw out there. So this is all stuff that's been going on in the South for a, a really long time. And like I said, the only thing that yep. I find it all surprising about this with her is that it actually is like bringing some heat on her for having done it. Like I'm, I'm kind of surprised that 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 <laughs> that people care on the right, but I'm glad to hear it. So yeah. Yeah, I think, well, I would say, I think part of the reason that Fox is willing to criticize her is criticizing her potentially helps Donald Trump. Donald Trump, right. Um, They they have different objectives in criticizing her than us. And yes, it is unfortunate that I don't like to be kind of uh, by accident allies uh, with an effort to help uh, Donald Trump. But I'm not going to just give a pass to Nikki Haley because not doing so, you know, like helps Trump or whatever. Like we should critique both of them. They both would be horrible presidents. Anyway, with that said, I want to move to our final two sots. So let's jump to the first DeSantis sot and we can talk about this. Why haven't you gone directly after? Polls are down. He's, you know, up for the top. What do you mean by going directly after? I mean, you're, you're uh, in, in my viewpoint, uh, you're going pretty soft on it. Uh, but what, 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 but what do you think? So you know, because we, I've articulated all the differences time and time again on the campaign trail. I know. I just, I think that there's just a narrative that I think the narrative is this. I think what the media wants is, is they want Republican candidates to just kind of like smear it personally and kind of do that. That's just not how I roll. So I apologize, it was difficult to hear uh, that guy asking Ron DeSantis at a little meeting. Uh, But what he said was, why is it that you have not gone directly at Donald Trump? This is a person who appears to like Ron DeSantis, but says you're you're soft on Trump, you're not critiquing him. And look at what Ron DeSantis did, instantly he pivots to, oh yeah, I know know the, the narrative. The narrative is we're supposed to just smear each other and attack each other. And thankfully, in this case, the guy in the crowd uh, stuck to his guns and explained that that's not what he's actually advocating for. Take a look at this. And when you call somebody a lady, uh, Cardi Figurina, what, a horse face, right? 
and you call John McCain not a hero, right? I mean, those are talking points that I would use. I mean, the guy has no class in a lot of different ways. How many military did he lose by making that comment about John McCain? Look, I mean, I think I think it's uh, in Florida. I can tell you, Donald Trump underperformed in the Florida Panhandle, which is a very military-heavy area. And I think I think he did lose support from veterans and from active duty. Uh, we should be running up the score with veterans and active duty against a woke Democratic Party. So I've I've actually made observations uh, and, and said uh, I don't think Donald Trump ultimately can win in. A Okay, so look, what, what the guy in the audience was citing was some stuff that Trump had said prior actually to the 2016 election. So you could certainly update that. But I think he brings up a good point. All of these individually horrendous things that Trump has said that theoretically could turn off not just Democrats and independents, but a number of Republican voters are things that Ron DeSantis could use to attack Donald Trump, to differentiate himself from Donald Trump. And you could update with more recent things that he said. But as the guy in the audience has pointed out, he doesn't do that. Ron DeSantis says, I've made observations. Okay, fine, you're off making your observations. You're not hitting Trump on his weak spots. And we know why. We know why, because he's running scared that if he does so, he's going to turn off the Trump voters mm -hmm. or that Trump will hit him twice as hard in response. Mm -hmm. And so I understand the frustration of that, that seemingly Ron DeSantis fan in the audience that the guy he might prefer to be president isn't willing to do what it takes to actually beat Donald Trump. What do you think, Trey? Yeah, well, I think this is representative of the way they've hamstrung themselves as a party, you know, through Donald Trump just overall. Cause it's like you said, they they can't, they know that you want to like run in opposition to Trump or as an alternative to Trump, but you can't like go after him because it, the the MAGA cult or whatever is like a very necessary chunk of the Republican electorate, and they they know that, right? So they have no like path to victory if they go against MAGA at all, and it leaves no room for any kind of like uh, you know sensibility or sanity or anything like that. And that's the the problem that they're all having. I'm a little heartened to see a guy like that, the the dude in the audience. I mean, like. Presumably that guy's, I'm assuming, lifelong Republican and self-identifies as a conservative and stuff, but still like clearly supremely dislikes Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm glad to see that. But what I really want to know is like those other, I know there's more of him like, more like him out there. And I'm really curious as to like when Donald Trump ends up being the candidate, which we all know he will, and it's him against Biden. What's that dude going to do then? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. clearly, he'd rather have DeSantis than Trump. But if it's Trump or a godless liberal Democrat, mm -hmm. then what's he going to do? Right. Yeah. I, that's that's the insight that I would like to have because DeSantis and, and Haley and them, I don't know, I, you know, I, I, what you just got to like keep up appearances or something. You're trying for a cabinet position or the VP or whatever. It's like, what, what do they think? They got like, are they jockeying to see who's going to be in first place when hopefully Donald Trump has a horrific hairspray accident or something and they have to step in? Like, they can't have any real <laughs> hope at this point, I would think. So, you know, I don't know. 100%. Those, uh, those hairspray accidents will get you, you know. <laughs> um, keep lighters away is all I'm saying. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. We're going to see. We know that 2020 was super close. This one will likely to be. It makes no sense that it would be close, but this is America. It's 2024. It probably will be, and it could come down to voters like that. Okay, with that said, we're going to take our last break of the first hour. Don't go anywhere. We got more after this.
Okay, everybody, we got time for, I think, one more story to close out the hour. Hit the like button if you haven't already. We're going to jump into a serious one. Stories of injustice involving cops are not rare these days, not rare on this channel. But we've got one, I think, that stands out. It involves a Guatemalan farm worker, Virgilio Mendez, an 18-year-old who has been in jail for six months as of right now, following his arrest back in May of 2023 on a felony murder charge. And the nature of that charge is absolutely wild. Here are the details. The arrest followed a tragic incident outside a St. Augustine, Florida hotel, where St. John's County Sergeant Michael Kunovich lost his life while apprehending and restraining Mendez. What happened was he apprehended the farm worker and then had a heart attack and tragically passed as a result of the heart attack. And so the farm worker, that he had arrested is up on felony murder charges. I am not a lawyer, there's a lot that I don't know about the law, but this seems like utter madness to myself. There are some other details that we have to cover that are pretty horrendous too. But overall, the idea that you would be responsible for the health problems of the cop who needlessly accosted you, I don't see how even in America, even in Florida, that that could potentially be upheld. But here are the details. So Kunovich approached Mendez on State Road 16, this is back on May 19th of last year. The police officer reportedly instructed the 18 year old to stop while he was standing outside a hotel holding his cell phone. He was reportedly speaking to his mother in Guatemala. Later, the cop proceeded to check Mendez for weapons, upon which, according to the report, the farm worker allegedly resisted. Supposedly for six minutes, they say he had a pocket knife at the time. I want to remind everyone. The pocket knife was not used, the cop was not stabbed. He died of a heart attack. What difference does it make if especially a farm worker has a pocket knife? That is not supposed to be illegal. And the idea that like the very nature of the fact that you have a pocket knife means, well, anything that happens to you is reasonable. This is Florida. Mm -hmm. They believe you should be toting around heavy artillery. Now they're gonna get on this guy for having a pocket knife. In any event, body camera footage of the arrest shows that Mendez had trouble understanding the police officer who was speaking in English, but that's not the language that Mendez speaks. And so he tries to communicate, he's having trouble, he's saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, eating, and he continues to apologize. There's this continued interaction in which the police use physical force and they tase Mendez over the course of two minutes. And so following that, the, the cop ends up having a heart attack that appears to be related to a cardiac dysrhythmia or an abnormal heartbeat. So like, I just think the idea that the physical exertion, and this is what they cite, that the cop chose to use because of a misunderstanding driven by a difference in language could be blamed on the migrant who has no knowledge whatsoever of this cop's physical condition or health problems. How could that possibly be justice? We have more details, Trey, what do you make of, of what I've thrown out so far? I mean, I don't even really know what to say about this. This, this seems egregious even for our like police culture. It, it kind of reminds me of that story from a couple of weeks ago where those uh, two St. Louis rookie cops like smashed their cruiser into a gay bar and then promptly arrested the owners of it for being mad at them for destroying their property. So, you know, that was one of the more, that was a more lighthearted comedic uh, tale of this type of thing. I mean, I say that, but I wasn't the one who got tased in a neck in my back for getting mad at some dude for driving through my wall, which actually happened, you know. So, 
a whole other state, like you alluded to, the idea that they're trying to like vilify this kid for having a pocket knife as a farm worker in the South, especially like, dude, when I was a kid, every every boy in school, every nine-year-old in school had a pocket knife, had a knife in their pocket. My mom's boyfriend back in Tennessee gave my two sons pocket knives for Christmas presents when they were like four and five. So it's like still a thing. They don't have pocket knives are not generally demonized in the South unless a Guatemalan immigrant has one on him when a cop who is accosting him happens to have a heart attack. But yeah, it's just like also, is there not an obvious implication here that like whoever happened to be the next person this cop like wrestled with right who that he like accosted and trying to arrest whoever the next person happened to be that the cop did that to would have been responsible for his murder you know what i mean like it didn't have to be that like presumably the cop could have done this to any other person and still had a heart attack like his heart was clearly like teetering on the precipice (laughs) of a disaster anyway so like it just this kid got unlucky that it was him you know if it had been uh, some whatever pot dealer or, you know, you name protester, you name it, they'd be getting charged with his murder too, I guess, except I don't know because the guy is is an immigrant and that definitely uh, makes it worse from their perspective. But yeah, talk about, oh, he was resisting, he was fighting, but he didn't understand, he didn't know, he didn't know what was happening. He like, yeah. he can't speak the language, he doesn't know what the cop's saying, he doesn't know what's going on. It's got to be a pretty freaky, uh, you know, occurrence to have happen to you. So the whole thing is just absurd. Yeah, and and it's just uh, add this to the list of incidents that uh, seemingly had no reason that they ever began in the first place. Like mm-hmm. the, the none of this needed to happen, literally at all. And the idea that like this guy had a health problem, but let's say I mean we we've seen reports of like you know cops having trouble with like more and more of their recruits being in bad shape. Yeah, so, like if the cops are running around, they're like ticking time bombs because of poor health and. Right. Oh, well, it's like a hot, it, like the cops are hot potato. And if you're the suspect that right. lands like with their heart in your hands, it's just, it's ridiculous. I like the, he's already spent six months being held for this. Like this seems like the sort of thing where not only does he end up getting off, but there's got to be some sort of restitution, but we'll be tracking it. In any event, that's all the time we have for the first hour of the show. Much more to come in the aftermath. Thank you, everyone who's been listening on the podcast. If you are doing that, go check the channel for other content that doesn't make it into the podcast, and we'll be right back. <laughs>